Greetings, and welcome to the Continental Drift. I'm Andy Valver. So, the big event last week was that President Biden came to the European Union. And on Saturday, in Poland, he gave what may go down as one of the bigger speeches of his career. He was really animated. And boy, was he pissed. He really tore into Putin. He actually said, For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Apparently, it was an ad lib. And that had the White House walking back that statement saying that, well, you know, the U.S. was not calling for regime change in Russia. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty straightforward, honest thing to say. What's wrong with saying this butcher should not remain in office? I mean, it is what everyone is thinking, and it is what everyone wants, isn't it? The world would be a better place without Putin in office. I think we can all agree on that. And yet there are those in the foreign policy world who say that, well, President Biden should not have said that. You know, it's not diplomatic. What's happening in Ukraine is not diplomatic. But it was a big week for NATO. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with what NATO is, NATO is not, as my dear friend and political comedian Will Durst says, the past tense of NATO. NATO, or the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, came together in the Cold War as a sort of bulwark against Russian expansion. And there are those who say that the West goaded Putin into attacking Ukraine or made him feel threatened by allowing former Soviet states, who were occupied by Russia, to join NATO when the Iron Curtain fell. Well, as an Estonian, I can tell you, there was no forcing Estonia or Latvia or Lithuania to join NATO. They joined as fast as they possibly could. They came up and were knocking on NATO's door to get in because they are familiar with Russia. They know what it's like to be occupied by Russia. So they joined NATO as fast as they possibly could. And Ukraine has proved them right. And finally, one last item on Ukraine. It seems to everyone that things are not going Putin's way. Darn. So, now Russia seems to be redefining what constitutes victory in Ukraine. Sergei Rudskoy, head of the Russian General Staff's main operational directorate, said that Russian aims had largely been met and that they would now focus on liberating Donetsk and Luhansk, which is collectively known as the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine. Some people are saying that it might be a North Korea, South Korea type situation. But really, Russian aims have largely been met? Well, I guess if your objective was to have your ass handed to you, then yes, mission accomplished. I remember being a little boy and walking along a narrow ledge and falling off due to my own silliness. And, of course, my friends laughed at me, but, you know, I blustered back saying, well, no, I, uh, I meant to do that. It's kind of like what the Russians are doing. In other news from the continent... French elections are about a month away, and for the first time in 15 years, there is a communist on the ballot running to be the president of France. Fabien Roussel is the candidate, and I see his posters everywhere in rural France, but nowhere on the poster is the word communist. He's a good-looking guy, 
and I bet some folks will vote for him just because he's a handsome guy. According to the news site France 24, one of Roussel's key pledges highlights, quote, the right to happiness at work, but also to happiness on holiday. And he intends to allow everyone to enjoy vacations. Now, in order to finance that project, at a cost of about $1 billion, his estimate, Roussel plans to launch a Robin Hood tax on private jets and business class journeys, saying that way everyone who uses their jet or who travels in business class will tell themselves that they are also financing access to holidays for regular workers. In Turkey, according to the Reuters news agency, their foreign minister has said that oligarchs are welcome there. When asked if they could do business there, he said if it is legal and not against international law, then he would consider it. Dude, these are oligarchs. You know how they became oligarchs? By illegal means. That's what they do. But now, of course, that they've got money, they run legal businesses, like football teams. I never talk about Malta because, well, nothing really ever happens there. But they are in the EU, and just so they don't feel neglected, I can report that they had an election on Saturday, and the results on Sunday indicated that the ruling Labour Party retained its hold on government, largely because they handled the COVID pandemic well and gave money to businesses to keep them alive during the lockdown. So there you go. Malta news. I actually like Malta. Nice place. Cute island, middle of the Mediterranean. Next, Poland, which shares a border with Ukraine, has now reported that shooting ranges are seeing a big surge in people wanting to learn how to shoot. According to a report from Reuters, one range said that they used to get 30 to 35 calls a day from people interested in learning to handle firearms. Now they're getting 200 calls a day. And yes, the Poles were under the influence of the Russians. In seismological news, folks on a small island in the Azores, which is a group of Portuguese islands in the Atlantic, are leaving the island of São Jorge and bracing for the worst. Why? Because there's been more than 12,700 earthquakes in the last week, which means that a volcanic eruption is imminent. Now, this volcano hasn't erupted since 1808. Now, with Europe struggling to get tourists back, a volcanic eruption there might really mess up transatlantic plane travel. Remember what happened when the Icelandic volcano Eyjafjallajökull erupted? Yeah, everything shut down for a couple of weeks because planes don't like flying through volcanic ash. Anyway, tourist season is around the corner, so hopefully, hopefully things won't blow up because we want you all to come back and visit us here in Europe. And finally, a fun little item from the Daily Beast. It seems that Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has a secret life in London. The British Foreign Office has sanctioned Lavrov's stepdaughter, Polina Kovalev. What? Stepdaughter? That's right. She's the daughter of Lavrov's secret wife, Svetlana Polyakova, who runs a restaurant in London. Apparently, Lavrov has been living a double life for nearly two decades. Ooh, I bet things are frosty in the Lavrov home in Moscow, and not just because it's late March. This information was sourced by the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny's team. Navalny, of course, 
was just sentenced to another nine years in prison. Coincidence? I don't think so. That's it for this week. Thanks for giving me some of your precious time. I'm Andy Valor, and this is The Continental Drift.